0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Real quickly, I want to just tell you that I'm going to be preaching this morning a message that you probably won't be too vocal on. You'll probably just listen a good bit. This is a positive message If someone were to ask me, John Kilpatrick, what was the number one prerequisite for revival at Brownsville? I would say undoubtedly, unequivocally, it was prayer. Prayer is what brought revival. Prayer is what sustains revival. If someone were to ask me, what is the second prerequisite? Would you say for What happened at Brownsville, I would say it's what I'm going to preach on this morning. Something I feel like you want to hear, you need to hear it. I'm hopefully going to deliver it to you. I think you'll laugh. I think you'll cry. It changed my life. My life has never been the same since this happened to me, and it happened before revival broke out at Brownsville. I want to explain it to you, I want to unpack it for you because. There's a lot to unpack. I think you'll really enjoy what I'm gonna share. I do this not to sell product. I don't have to sell product, but I do this so long after we're gone, you can still hear our ministry and be blessed by it. What I'm gonna preach on this morning is I'm gonna preach on mystery and power of a blessing. And um, this is what changed my life. Uh, you can get just the five CDs on it, but this one here is a larger collection, but it has, it's everything that I know and everything I've ever preached on blessings. And there's a difference between favor and blessings, and I talk about that difference in the series. But this is everything that I've ever done on blessings. It's how to impart a blessing, Mr. Empire of a Blessing, and the uh, door to blessings. This is what I'm going to be preaching this morning, but this goes a lot further than what I'm preaching this morning. This goes along with it. I think you may be interested in this. This goes along with the series on blessings. It's entitled Mysteries Revealed, Visions, Night Watches, and Morning Dreams. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. If you get one of these, Be sure to get the one on this one, Mysteries Revealed, Dreams, Visions, Night Watches, and Morning Dreams. Be sure to get that to go with either one of these, because this is really excellent. There's a series I just got through preaching at my church, just finished it not long ago. It's entitled, Opening the Eyes of Your Understanding. Opening the Eyes of Your Understanding. There's a big difference between levels and dimensions. Levels takes a long time to complete. Jesus, when he came, he came like an Elijah to show Elisha how to operate. When Elijah came, he showed Elisha how to operate in the realms of the spirit. When Jesus came, he showed the disciples like an Elijah, he showed them how to operate in dimensions. I can't tell you Honestly, I can't take the time and tell you, it'd take too long, how eye-opening this is. It deals with dimensions. That's where healing comes from. That's where miracles come from. They don't come out of levels. They come out of dimensions. If you don't get anything else at that table back there, get this. I'm telling you, every message that we preached was gobbled up as soon as it was preached This has been a very, very powerful seller for our ministry. All the money goes into our ministry. And then this is a series entitled Spirits That Hinder the Flow of God. We're built for flow. Every one of God's people are built for flow. Love flows. Healing flows. Revelation flows. The anointing flows. Everything flows. If you have lost the flow of any of those things that I just talked about, there's usually a spirit that's blocking it. It's a spirit that's blocking it. And what this deals with is spirits that hindered the flow of God in your life. Some of the ones I deal with is Leviathan, spirit of Leviathan. It fights the prophetic. It tries to hinder the flow of the prophetic. I dealt with Jezebel one time, but I dealt with Uh, absalom three times because absalom is the spirit of betrayal many of god's people have gone through betrayal like i've never seen before in these last years betrayed pastors betrayed church people betrayed board members betrayed staff members betrayed husbands betrayed wives betrayed never seen betrayal on the level that i've seen it lately But I'm not going to go through all those again. But anyway, this is called spirits that hinder the flow of God. You're built for flow. If that flow has been impeded, it's usually a spirit that's impeding that flow in your life. And if that flow is not flowing, it causes a lot of anxiety and frustration in your life. Because you're not seeing what you know you ought to be seeing happen in your life and through your life. So, long after we're gone, though, the only reason I do this is long after we're gone, we can still minister to you through these CDs. All right, if everybody's ready, we'll get started. Now, let me tell you how this is going to happen. It's not going to be a shouting sermon. It's not really going to be a sermon. I'm just going to unpack to you and help you to understand how it was at Brownsville right before revival broke out, but it's going to be very relevant in your life. It's going to I think some of you will weep and I know some of you will laugh but I'm talking about the mystery and the power of a blessing now don't let that word blessing throw you off because until God revealed it to me I would not pay attention to the word blessing so here we go I want you to stand with me and we'll turn to the scripture that we're going to read and it's found in the book of 1 Peter if you'll look at it with me on the screen. I want you to look at this scripture. The apostle Peter wrote this in his epistle. And this is an eye opener by itself. It said, finally, be ye all of one mind, Peter said, have compassion one of another, love one another as a brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, And don't render evil for evil and don't rail on people if they rail against you, but contrawise, and this is clockwise, don't do the normal thing. Don't do the normal clockwise, but he said contrawise, go against the grain. Contrawise, it says, bless. Going against the grain, knowing that you are there to call that you should inherit a blessing. You may be seated. Here we go. You can cut me down just a little bit if you want to, just a wee bit. i tell you how it all started with me. We built Brownsville dedicated January the 13th, 1991. It was the beginning of a decade that I had no idea what that decade was going to hold in my life. I had no idea what it was going to hold. I didn't know that revival was coming to my church. I didn't know that it was going to touch the world. I didn't know that the world and the nations was going to come to Pensacola. So this was January the 13th, 1991. Well, here's what happened. We got ready to dedicate the new sanctuary. It was gonna seat about 2,000, 2,500 people, about like this church here. And I've always loved brass music. I like keyboards, I like strings, but I love brass music. So I said to myself one day while we were in construction, I said, well, shucks. I want to build an orchestra pit because i want to have some brass in my new church so i called a board meeting and i talked to the guys and i said hey guys while we're building the church let's just cut a hole out on the platform and let's build an orchestra pit so we can have some brass music they said yeah it's a great idea so it was going to be a forty dollar uh a forty dollar a forty thousand dollar difference we had to cut that hole out and mic it and wire it so it's going to be a Change order of $40,000. We had to put the wiring in the walls to pick up the brass when they played. So I told the people, I said, you know, hey, if we build it, they'll come. (laughs) Boy, was I surprised. So it got ready to, we got ready to dedicate the new building. And lo and behold I got up and announced to the whole church I said hey we're going to have an orchestra pit and if you play a brass instrument we want you to bring your instrument and get with a worship leader and we want to incorporate you in our new orchestra not one cotton picking person showed up <laughs> not one not one I was so upset I told the board if we build it they'll come Well, we'll be new. So I got up the next Sunday and I, you know, told everybody, said now if you play a brass instrument, you know, a trumpet, a saxophone, I spelled it out for him. See the worship leader. He's got some music charted for you. We got dedication Sunday coming up. Not one person responded. I got so upset. At the music, at the, at the hole in the floor that I just dug, I got upset with the hole in the floor. And I put $40,000 in that stupid hole. So, I mean, the day came to dedicate the new building, and nobody came forward at all. Nobody. I had to pay a guy $75 to come over and play a trumpet from Mobile, and he couldn't have play the thing on top of that. So for our dedication Sunday, I walked out the church with a slam full of people. People everywhere, all I could see was that empty hole behind me. That's all I could see. And I developed an attitude toward that hole. I began to call it a stupid hole. I began to call it a $40,000 mistake. I began to call it all kinds of things. I was worried about myself, I was so upset about it. So, I came in the next Sunday, nobody in the orchestra pit. I couldn't concentrate on the crowd. I couldn't really concentrate on my sermon because that thing was empty. Nobody came, it was an empty hole. So the next Saturday I came into the church, I always came down there on Saturday nights to pray by myself. And I came to the church, it was foggy outside. It was dreary, it was cold. I came into the sanctuary and when I got in there, I always pray with the lights out. I found myself on the platform in the dark, right by that orchestra pit. And I said, (laughs) Holy Spirit, there ain't nobody in the orchestra pit. And I said, and man, I've always had a great relationship with the Lord But the Lord rebuked me, he rebuked me, he startled me. And here's what the Holy Spirit said, well, stop cursing it. (laughs) I'm not saying that the Lord is in the business of embarrassing people, but I got embarrassed. I I got embarrassed, I felt humiliated because I'm whining as the man of God, I'm whining over something that's not working, and I've been cursing it with my mouth. You stupid hole. You know, you stupid $40,000 mistake. I told the board if we built it, they'd come. Now you're empty, you embarrass me, you know? And so the Lord said, well, stop cursing it. Well, I left the prayer meeting and went home. I had to preach the next day. So I get home, I go to bed, I get my sermon. I got my sermon ready to go now. I go to bed, I toss and turn all night long, and I can't believe that every time I turn over, I hear that voice, well, stop cursing it. Every time I move, get up, go to the bathroom. Well, stop cursing it. And I told the Lord, I said, look, if you'll just let me get some sleep, (laughs) if you'll just let me get some sleep, I promise you when Sunday's over, I'm gonna take Monday and I'm gonna go into my office and I'm gonna shut the door and I'm gonna tell Brenda, I'm not gonna eat. And I'm not gonna come out of my office until I find out what you're talking about because I only understood curses to be like witchcraft curses. I I had never understood like, well, stop cursing. What are you talking about cursing it? I don't understand what you're saying. So after Sunday was over, I told Brenda, I said, Brenda, look, I'm going in my office. Don't cook for me. I'm not gonna eat. I'm not coming out of there till till I hear what God's telling me. She said, okay. So I went in my office and I sat down and I said, "The Holy Spirit, you told me to stop cursing it. I said, Now, you're going to have to help me. I don't understand what you're saying. I've never dealt with anything like this before. Please help me. Well, so here the Holy Spirit began to teach me, and here's what the Holy Spirit began to say to me. He said, With your mouth, you have cursed the orchestra pit, and you have handicapped it with your own mouth. You called it a stupid hole. You built it for sounds to come out of it that would be wonderful sounds to incorporate worship and great sounds of joyful praise to the Lord, and you have cursed it because of your pride and because it wasn't functioning like you wanted it to. You put your mouth on it. You cursed it, and you called it a stupid hole. You called it a $40,000 mistake. He said, you cursed it. And he said, here's what you've got to do. He said, when you curse something, you've got to do three things. You've got to repent, you've got to renounce, and you've got to revoke. And I said, well, Lord, help me with that. He said to repent means to have a change of heart, and it means to forsake the sin and to reset, like hitting a reset button. You turn around from that sin, you turn around from that mistake, and walk the other direction. Don't keep going. Turn around and walk the other direction. He said to renounce means to refuse what you once said. And it means to ask the Holy Spirit for permission to re-say what you should have said in the first place. To re-say it right, instead of cursing it again, ask the Holy Spirit for permission to re-say what you really meant. He said the third thing, men, is to revoke. To revoke means to cancel the power of that curse that you spoke over it, and to invalidate it. It's just like snapping the spine of something. When you snap the spine of something, you cause death. And he said, to revoke something means that you take your mouth and you snap the spine of what you said, cast it to the ground, command it to lie there sterile and never to function against you again or against the church again. Command it to lie there sterile and non-productive. So he said, you've got to repent, renounce and revoke. So here's what happened. I did that. And I was in the church by myself in Brownsville. And so when the Holy Spirit showed me that on Monday, I got it. I didn't even understand. I was 41 years old, been pastoring for over 20 years, and I never understood that I could curse anything with my mouth. Never understood it. I just, it never, it never, I was thinking of cursing as witchcraft, you know, stigmata, black magic, white magic, voodoo. I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand that as a preacher, a Pentecostal preacher could curse something with my own mouth. So when I got it and when the Holy Spirit showed me, I couldn't wait for the next Saturday night to come. I couldn't wait to go back down there and pray. So the next Saturday came around, I went to the church, walked in the church, always prayed in the dark. I walked right up on the platform. I walked right up to the orchestra pit stood there, and I remember I said this. I said, orchestra pit, I'm sorry. (laughs) Because number one, the Lord said, repent. So I learned that you can curse a person, a place, or a thing. Let me say it again. You can curse a person, a place, or a thing. Well, the orchestra pit was a thing, and I had cursed it. So I walked up to it and I said, I repent. I've asked the Lord to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me for cursing you. I said, I said it because I was embarrassed. I said it because I was humiliated and made to look like a fool because nobody was in you. I spoke out of turn and I said, I asked for forgiveness. Second thing I did was I said, orchestra pit, I refuse the words that I spoke over you and I'd like to now withdraw them off of you and I want to re-say what I should have said in the very beginning I want to re-say it so I renounce what I've said and I want to re-say it and then I said I revoke what I said and I command that the spine of those words be broken and lie on the floor sterile and never function against you again so I want to start with a clean slate So I will never forget this as long as I live. I walked over to the orchestra pit and I stood there and lifted my hands like a priest, just like this. Just standing there, just like I'm standing here, lifting my hands just like a priest. And I said, orchestra pit, I bless you. My God, when I said that, it activated something in that sanctuary and it was like, and I was there in the dark by myself. It's like, okay, calm down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was like it activated something. Honest to goodness, it did. Trust me. I wouldn't lie to you. I said, orchestra pen, I bless you. Well, when I said those words, it released a power. I feel it right now while I'm talking. Y'all feel that and it was like, And I believe that there had been leaves on the platform, it would have blowed them up in the air. And then here's what I said. I'm not going to tell you everything. I said, I'm just going to give you the gist of it. I said, I bless you for sounds to come from you that will go to the ends of the earth. I speak over you that people that play musical instruments, brass instruments, will be attracted to you like metal to a magnet. And I speak that people that drive up and down Mobile Highway that's not even saved right now, that plays brass instruments, will be attracted to this church. They will come in this church. They will actually play their brass instruments for the glory of God in this church, and they're not even saved right now. I speak that in the name of Jesus. Little did I know, revival was going to break out four years later, and the music from the Brownsville revival was going to go to the ends of the earth. Friend, let me tell you, don't minimize the power of a blessing. So, after I blessed it, how many of you knows, you've ever heard the old timers use the phrase, I prayed through? Well, it was like I prayed through. And I knew whenever I blessed that orchestra pit, it was blessed. I knew I didn't need to know it. I didn't need to do another thing. So I came in the next morning to church. That orchestra pit was as empty and it didn't bother me one bit. I walked on that platform. I waved at everybody. I even looked over the orchestra pit. <laughs> and it just didn't bother me at all. I came in the next Sunday. Wasn't nobody in the orchestra pit. Didn't bother me at all. I preached like the house was on fire. I came in the next Sunday. Wasn't nobody in the orchestra pit. On the next Sunday, before the next Sunday, I had a guy that I used to pastor in Warner Robins, Georgia, Air Force Base town. And He loved my ministry and he loved me and his wife. They had three children and they got uh, transferred to Plattsburgh, New York in the Air Force. But when they were there, they loved me and Brenda. She was one of Brenda's best friends and he was a bomber. He was the bombardier on a B-52 aircraft and he traveled all over, especially spent a lot of time in Taiwan. But now they'd moved to Plattsburgh. So he called me up and he said, hey, Brother Kilpatrick, he said, look, he said, uh, we retired up here, but he said, you know, me and, me and Bonnie would really like to be back under your ministry again. We miss you and Bonnie misses Brendan. There's a job opening at Pensacola High School. And he said, I, you know, I'm thinking about putting in my uh, application down there. I, I'm thinking about hopefully trying to move to Pensacola. I said, well, man, hey, come on, we'd be glad to have you. Y'all don't get a motel, just stay with me and Brendan. He said, okay right before he hung up, he said, wait, 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 just a minute. You still there? I said, yeah. He said, I I don't know if you ever knew this or not because when we was going to the church there at First Assembly in Warner Robins, he said, I never had a chance to do it, but he said, I I play uh, a trumpet. And he said, I was wondering if when I come, can I bring that trumpet? And I said, I don't know. I mean, I'll have to think about it. So here's what I said. I said, Trust. let me tell you something. Get on that airplane and don't you get on there without that trumpet, you hear me? I said, you get down here to Pensacola. And I said, I, you're gonna get that job. He said, uh, how do you know? I said, I said, you're gonna get the job. I got connections. So he came down, tried out for the job, got the job, moved to Pensacola, started playing in the orchestra pit by himself, a trumpet. And the first Sunday he was there, I preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He played the trumpet. I was in heaven. It's like, oh, my God. And 100 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost that Sunday. And then that night, 75 people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, Rose, it's a miracle. So it wasn't a month of Sundays. I had to get up and make an announcement. Please, no more brass instruments. We have no more room. I had saxophones, trumpets, French horns. I even had a, a guy in there play the tuba, big old fat boy, played the tuba. And when he get happy in the Holy Ghost, he swing that tuba around, people ducking around. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we had a orchestra pit full of brass instruments. And the Holy Spirit said to me, now son, do you see now what I'm talking about, about cursing things? I said, yes, Lord. He said, okay. I want you to call your children home now. And I want you to ask them to forgive you for the times that you cursed them and didn't know you was cursing them. He didn't say cussing them. Cussing, you know what cussing is? Y'all know what cussing is? I'm ashamed of you. (laughs) Cursing and cussing is two different things. Cussing is profanities. Cursing is speaking things out of your mouth and you know when we usually do it when we get afraid We get afraid our children are not Going to turn out like we wanted them to and they start taking a different path and we start saying things over them and putting fear on them We start saying things Well, if you're not careful, you're gonna wind up just like your uncle. He spent 12 years in prison. You better straighten up boy I see a lot of your uncle in you Don't realize you just cursed your son and so the Lord said, I want you to call your family home. And he said, I know you did it ignorantly, but he said, you've said some things that you need to repent of, renounce and revoke over your family. So I called John Michael. I called Brendan. I called Scott. I asked him to come meet me at my house there at where we lived. And uh, this was years before revival broke out, about four years before revival broke out. And when they got to the house that day, Brenda was sitting in my recliner, and the boys were sitting on the fireplace, and Brenda was sitting in my lap. I was sitting in my recliner, and they said, Dad, what's this about? I said, well, I said, y'all see what happened to the orchestra? Yeah, wasn't that something? I said, yeah. I said, but the Lord's dealing with me in step two now, and I said, he's showing me that I've said some things over you boys, and I've cursed you and didn't realize I cursed you, and uh, they said, well, Dad, you've been a good dad. You've been there for our games and you've raised us right you've taught us right I said yeah I feel like I've been a pretty good father but I said I also because of this I realized that I was loose with my lips at times and I've said some things over you that I want to recall they said okay so I called my firstborn forth first my firstborn son Scott he's more of a stoic type guy he's Real fine young man, good father, good husband, but he's sort of stoic. He don't show a lot of emotion. So I stood out in the middle of the floor and I said, come here, son. So he come and stood there in front of me and I said, Scott, I want to ask you to forgive me for the things I've said over you, son, that caused you to maybe be handicapped in certain areas of your life. I said, I want to repent and ask you to forgive me I said, secondly of all, I want to renounce some of those things that I said, and I want to call them back, cancel them out, and I want to re-say it right this time. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to erase it from your mind, the things that I said. And I said, uh, I'm going to refuse what I once said, and I'm going to recall it. And I said, thirdly, I'm going to revoke it. I'm going to cancel the power over what I spoke over you that have no more power over you. So I walked up to him, this is no joke, I walked up to him in my living room, in my den, I put my hand on his face like this, just like a priest, put my hand on his face and I said, Scott, I bless you, so help me. The same thing happened in my den that happened on the platform. (laughs) The Lord came in that den and was whipping around like a little whirlwind type thing. Totally took me by, just took me unexpected. And he felt it, I felt it, Brenda felt it, John Michael felt it. And I looked at my son and all of a sudden there's tears just streaming down his face. Just He's not crying, you can't see his facial features crying but just tears dropping off his face, off of his clothes. And I kept my hand up there on his face and I blessed him and I said, son, I ask you to forgive me. And I said, I renounce the things that I've spoken over you. And I said, I speak over you now that you're blessed because I have blessed you this day. And I said, I speak over you that you're gonna succeed and you're gonna be fulfilled in life and you're gonna be happier than you've ever been and things are gonna turn in your favor. God's going to bring the mountains down, and He's going to bring the valleys up, and He's going to make straight the path of the Lord in your life. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I won't go through all that. But I blessed Him. When I got through blessing Him, you know, He's, he's crying, man. And I, I don't think I'd ever seen my son cry except when He was real small. So then I called John Michael up. And John Michael's six foot four, six foot five. Big old tall boy, played basketball at Lee College. So He came home. And, and I called him up and I said John Michael I repented I renounced I revoked and I put my hand on his face and when I did when I touched him I've been all through the Brownsville revival seen all kind of manifestations of the Holy Ghost but I've never seen anything like this when I touched him on his face he started vibrating from his hair down to his toes he just started vibrating like somebody plugged him in the wall like that Sweat just slinging off of him, popping off of him. It looked like if you'd have touched him, he'd have vibrated through the whole house, you know. And when I got through blessing him, I turned to Brenda. She's sitting over there in my recliner. I said, Come here, woman. And I don't know if you know anything about my wife or not, but she's a glory hog. That woman loves the presence of God. So she just starts laughing. When she gets nervous, she starts laughing. So she got up out of the chair and she started laughing. She came over there toward me. And whenever I reached out to touch her, I never got a chance to touch her. Boom, she's on the floor. And when she's on the floor, I knelt down beside her. And I remember saying this to her. I said, Brenda, I ask you to forgive me for any time I made you feel less than a woman. I ask you to forgive me for any time that I compared you to anybody else any time that I made you feel less than I said Brenda I apologize and I deeply repent and I said I want to renounce those things that I said and I want to have a chance to resay it the way it should be said and I looked, and tears are dripping off her face into the carpet Tears dripping off my face. And I said, I wanna revoke it. I laid my hand on her face. I repented, I renounced and I revoked. And man, it was so powerful in our den. After I blessed my two sons and after I blessed my wife, it was going so good, I decided I'm gonna bless myself. Oh, oh, wow. oh, John, I'm so sorry. For the times I've called you bad names, I'm so sorry for the time I've said, I don't know why people ever come to hear me preach because it's just horrible. And I just begin to repent to myself and bless myself. And I said, you're a good man, John. You ain't as bad as people say you are. And God's gonna bless you. And I bless myself. Hey, if nobody else will bless you, bless yourself. Hallelujah. Come on now. So then, after that was over, the Holy Spirit said to me, all right, now do you see what happened to the orchestra? Yes. Do you see what happened when you blessed your family? Yes. He said, all right, I want you to bless your home. I said, okay, and I didn't understand that one. So the Lord said, I want you to start having communion in your home every Saturday. And I want you to save back enough communion in your cup. He said, some weeks you'll serve Brenda, some weeks she'll serve you. Have communion in your home every week. Because communion is called the bread of presence. And when you serve communion, every time you serve communion, it brings the presence. It's called the bread of presence. And the Lord said, I want you to save back some juice in the bottom of the cup and he said i want you to go and i want you to take your finger and anoint the wood over every facing of every door that goes in your bedrooms the hallway the foyer the den the kitchen the bathrooms so we started having communion in our home every week and brenda would follow me down the hallway and i would anoint the wood around the door over our bedroom and over the bathrooms and over the kitchen and over the hallways and over the foyer and I would speak a a special blessing. And uh, as I'd speak that special blessing over every room, if you want to go to my website, it's free of charge. Just go to johnkilpatrick.org. You can get the blessing that I spoke over my house, every room of my house. I'd speak a fresh blessing every week over every room of my house. Well, let me tell you what happened. There was a change in our home that i cannot tell you how powerful it was i'd speak rest and peace and peaceful sleep over the bedroom i'd speak uh... speak fellowship around the table in the kitchen i'd speak in the bathroom no disease no infirmity in the foyer i'd speak um, He'll bless our goings out and our comings in if we acknowledge Him in all of our ways. And then in the different rooms of our house, I'd have scriptures that I'd speak and a blessing that I'd speak over every room. My home changed so radically, it almost felt like I was living at a different address. Now, I've always been a light sleeper. I go to bed. And I don't sleep much. I've never slept over four hours much at all. I'm a a four-hour-a-night guy. And I started going to bed and sleeping so cotton-picking hard, I'd wake up and have slobber all up my nose. Y'all ever slept so hard you slobbered? I'd wake up and I'd have slobber in my ears. I'd have slobber in my hair. And I'd have slobber up my nose. And I did it about two or three nights. And I woke up one night and I said, Brenda, wake up! She said, what is it? I said, I think there's something bad wrong with me. She said, what do you mean? I said, Brenda, I'm waking up and I got slobber up my nose and in my ear and in my hair. I said, I believe I got that sleeping sickness or something. I don't know what it is. She said, duh, you've been blessing the bedroom with peaceful sleep, don't you remember? I said, oh yes, hallelujah, praise God, I do remember that. I started sleeping like a proverbial log, just sound asleep. All night long. And then around the table when we get through eating, people wouldn't go off into other parts of the house. We'd just sit there around the table and start fellowshipping and start talking about our day and about what God had done and start talking about testimonies of how God had used us that day and the calls that we got. We'd just sit around the table sometime for an hour after we get through eating. Fellowship became so integral in our family. We'd just sit down and talk and It was like, my goodness, this is wonderful. And so then, after I got through with that, the Lord said, Now, you see what happened to Orchestra? Yes. See what happened when you called you? Yes. You see what happened when you blessed your yes. He said, Now I want you to bless the church. I want you to go to the church on Saturday nights. I want you to continue to pray, but I want you to add something in the equation. I said, okay, because here's what the Lord said. Prayer is prayer. Prophecy is prophecy, but blessing is blessing. Let me tell you the three. Prayer is petitioning God for divine intervention. That's prayer. Simple definition of prayer. Petitioning God for divine intervention. Prophecy is forth the future and calling the future out yonder and pulling it in here Handling it, listening to it, letting it go, putting it back out in the future. But blessing is blessing. It's different from prayer. It's different from prophesying. Blessing is speaking out of your mouth the things that you desire to see come to pass over a person, place, or thing. A curse is speaking out of your mouth over a person, place, or thing, something that you desire to see happen to them in a bad way. Blessing is speaking out of your mouth anything over anything, a person, place, or thing that you want to see happen to them in a positive, godlike way. So, I went down to the church and I still prayed every night. You can't not pray because prayer is very important. The Bible speaks of prayer. But the Lord said, one thing that's missing is blessing. And this is what happened before revival broke out. So I continued to pray, but then after I got through praying, I'd go to every section of pews in the dark. And we had a lot of section of pews just like this right here. At Brownsville, we had a lot of sections just like this up in the balcony and down below. I would stand in the dark before every section of pews and I would just make up a blessing out of my mind. I wouldn't write anything down. I wanted to force my mind to be expanded to learn how to bless. I wanted to stretch my mind to learn how to bless. And I would say like over this section of pews, I bless you that tomorrow, even though these pews are empty tonight, tomorrow they're going to be filled with people that's coming in from all walks of life, And I speak over you in the name of Jesus that when the word of God goes forth, it will be sharper than a two-edged sword. It will pierce and divide the heart. There will be no impediment, no no, uh, interruptions in the mind mentally to keep you from receiving the word. During praise and worship, there will be a spirit of praise and worship in this section of pews tomorrow unlike any other time in the history of this church. When I stand to preach tomorrow, my voice will penetrate this section of pews. And the message will be retained. When people leave out of here, they'll be able to retain it and practice that message in the middle of the week. And Satan shall not steal it from their minds. And then I go to this section of pews, speak a separate blessing, this section, this section, this section. And as far as I know, in the remaining years, I never spoke the same blessing over the same section of pews. I forced myself to speak blessings every week over that church. And let me tell you what happened. I would stand up to preach on Sundays and it would be like my tongue was a sheet in the wind. My tongue would just be free. Just I would just start preaching like a Gatling gun. I mean, the word was just coming out and hitting people. And whenever I'd preach, it was a fresh anointing on my life. I had blessed myself. And it's just like a fresh anointing was on me and my tongue was loose and I'd preach powerfully. And it was like, praise God. this is awesome let me just tell you this real quickly and I got to move on I believe that adding the dimension of blessings to Brownsville adding it to prayer adding it to praise and worship adding it to prophesying I believe adding that dimension of blessing made that atmosphere so sweet it sweetened the atmosphere it changed the pH Of the atmosphere and so when we started praying for revival Holy Spirit started investigating that atmosphere and when he came in on Father's Day he loved that atmosphere so much it changed and he came and he fit himself in that atmosphere just like a hand going in a glove and he stayed five years and salvations baptisms healings people called to the ministry the world came and I believe I really believe it to this day I really believe that it was adding the dimension of blessings because you see in so many churches people have come in church they have cursed the pastor not cussed him but cursed him I tell you what they've cursed the worship they've cursed the worship leader They've cursed the programs of the church. They've cursed all kinds of things. And that stuff inventories itself. Tonight I'm preaching on atmospheres, climate, and culture. That's what I'm preaching on tonight. I'm preaching this this morning to get us ready for tonight. And so many people don't really realize that when you speak things like that, like curses, they inventory themselves in that atmosphere and it hinders worship. It hinders the preacher preaching when he should be up there standing and delivering and preaching with a powerful anointing and his words should be going out like sharp arrows. When there's curses in the air, he stands up to preach and his words fall to the ground, fall in the carpet before they can even make it out there in the pews. It hinders his anointing because the atmosphere is inventoried with all kinds of stuff in it. Church splits, church divisions, people divorcing in the congregation. All that stuff, inventories itself. You notice Jesus, before Jesus would ever go in the temple and preach, he cleansed that temple out first. Let Let me ask you this question. If Jesus needed to cleanse the temple, what about us? If he wouldn't go in and cleanse, if he wouldn't go in and preach, knowing it would hinder his delivery and his message, and he had to cleanse the atmosphere before he preached, it behooves us to emulate him and to get the hell out of the house. It's time to get the hell out of this house. It's time to get the hell out of your house. Let's let God rise up and bless this place. Let God bless your home. Are you listening to me? I'll be talking about that some more tonight. Woo! Yay! Man, lift your hands up right quick. I felt that. Come on, lift your hands up and praise him. Come on, lift your hands up. Just stand up for a minute. Just praise him. I'm going to finish here in a minute. Keep on. Come on, praise him. Come on, lift your voice, friend. Don't be so quiet. Lift your voice. You know how to do it. Lift that voice up. Come on. Woo Shey Hey 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 Sharara Raba Ramandarolo Boyara Basara Bayando Now you got it come on lift it up Now you got it Come on Where you can be seated. Let me take you on the word for a minute. I'll be closing here shortly. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, he's closing shortly. I'm lying to you, friend, I ain't closing shortly. I got a good ways to go yet. It won't be long. I began to go back after I saw this change in my life and change in my church. I began to go back and I began to go all the way to Genesis. And you know what? One of the things I found was when God would make something He'd bless it. i got a question for you. You've made several babies. Have you blessed any of them? Because before God showed me this I had never blessed anything and I was a Pentecostal preacher for 20 years and I'd never blessed anything. Never blessed my children, never blessed my wife, never blessed my church, never blessed anybody or anything. I always said, "God bless you," but how many of you know? That's more like a salutation. Hey, God bless you, man. Good to see you, God. Bless you. It's like saying, "Nice day," isn't it? But that's you're not blessing nobody. You've got to think of something to say to bless that person. So anyway, I begin to go back in my Bible. It's going to be on the screen, so you won't have to turn there. But I begin to go back in my Bible. And I wound up in Genesis 24. And look at this, this is about Rebekah. You remember, just take it off screen for a minute until I get ready for it. But you remember Abraham sent Eliezer out to find a bride for Isaac, y'all remember that? And he told, he told Eliezer, he said, now don't go where I don't send you. You go where I send you, okay? He said, yes. So Eliezer went on his way, he got to this well And he shook all the dirt off of him and everything. He sat down on the well and he said, Lord, the first woman that comes down that trail right yonder, he said, I'll know she's the one. So he sat down on the well and lo and behold, here comes Rebecca walking down that trail. She walked right up to him and she said, and, and Eliezer said, Lord, if she says, can I get you something to drink? Can I get you animals something to drink? He said, I know she's the one. So she walked right up to him and she said, hi, my name is Rebecca. Can I get you something to drink? And can I get you animals something to drink? How many of you know it's one thing to get a man something to drink, but to feed them camels is quite another thing. And he said to her, mm, 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 mm. woman, you're the one. I'm the one what? He said, let's go home and talk to you folks." So he went home with her, spent the night. Next day, he called her mother and her brother in. didn't mention her daddy, but it mentioned her brother and her mother. And Eliezer said to them, my master sent me to find a bride for his son. His name is Abraham. Son's name is Isaac. And he said, I put out this fleece. And he said, your daughter met that fleece perfectly and said, she's the one. They said, well, will you let her go with me to my master's son to be his wife? And they said, well, we'll call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebecca and they said, will you go with this man? And she said, I'll go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And look what it said in verse 60. It said they blessed Rebecca. Now, take it off the screen just for a minute. It said, They blessed Rebecca. But I want you to see what they said. This is one of the first blessings in your Bible. This blessing is twenty-four words long. Look what it says. Her brother blessed her, and he said, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let your seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Twenty-four words. Take it off screen but y'all gonna sit out there and count them words, I can promise you. (laughs) Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions. Didn't leave no question about it. Be thou, put it on her, the mother of thousands of millions, and let your seed possess the gate of those that hate them. Now, who was Rebecca? Rebecca was gonna marry Isaac. Isaac and Rebecca was gonna have twin sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's name was gonna be changed to Israel. He was gonna have 12 sons and they were gonna become the 12 tribes of Israel. Who was Rebekah? When they blessed their sister they wasn't prophesying over her. It would have said prophesying. It said they blessed her. And what they said was thou art our sister but be thou the mother of thousands of millions and let your seed possess the gate of those which hate them and they're surrounded by Muslims that hate them. But it said oh glory to God she was going to become the mother of Israel. It happened just like that. Why? Because they blessed their sister. I want to say this to you. I don't care who it is, Yasser Arafat Saddam Hussein, I don't care who it is, Iran, Iraq whoever, you cannot destroy Israel, why? Because they blessed their sister they spoke a blessing over that girl and I want to tell you a blessing is powerful when you bless somebody and you speak that out of your mouth and you put it on them you're putting something on them, a blessing. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. And after he got through blessing Jacob by accident, he thought he was blessing Esau. Esau came up and said, Daddy, don't you have a blessing left for me? He said, I'm sorry, son. I put it on your brother. I thought he was the oldest. There was something so powerful about that blessing even when the patriarch spoke it out of his mouth, it stuck, it bonded to him, and to this day it sticks. Oh God, what would happen, hear me, what would happen if we started blessing our families instead of cursing our families? What would happen, listen to me, What would happen if we started blessing those that God has put over our lives, our pastors and pastor's wives and worship leaders and youth pastors and children's pastors? What would happen if we started blessing them? Revival would break out before next Sunday. It's time to stop cursing that. It's time to start speaking blessings out of our mouth. Oh God, send a revival of blessings in America. Come on, give him praise. Now watch this, I went over to the book of Ruth and when Boaz went to take Ruth as his wife it said all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, we're witnesses. And here's what the people said, they spoke a blessing over Ruth. They said, the Lord make the woman that's come into your house, Boaz, make her like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. Do thou worthily any Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Let your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Isn't it amazing? Ruth was going to be the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus Christ. And when it said, be famous in Bethlehem, that's where the Son of God was going to be born. They prophesied it through a blessing that they spoke over her. As Boaz took her in the gate of the city to be his wife. So the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord said, son, I don't want there to be another wedding at Brownsville. Except the father blesses his daughter and the father blesses his son. He said, if there's no father, I want the brother to do it. If there's no brother, I want the mother to do it. If there's no mother, I want the uncle to do it. He said, if there's no family member, I want you to do it. But he said, I don't want there to be another wedding at Brownsville unless the father blesses his daughter or the stepfather. I said, okay, Lord. So could I tell you, I've seen some funny stuff. I told this girl, I said, now, honey, honey, I was counseling her at the time when the Lord said this to me. I said, now, honey, you know that your daddy's going to have to speak a blessing over you at your wedding. Oh my God, Pastor, he'll pass out. I said, no, we got some smelling salts. We'll get him up. <laughs> but he's going to speak a blessing over you. I said, uh-uh, "He he ain't going to get out of it. He's going to speak a blessing over you because the Lord done told me. Father's going to speak a blessing over you. Hey, Brother Kilpatrick, he'll pass out. I know my daddy. I said, well, we got smelling salts, but I said, if... If he can't bless you and lift your veil up and bless you out of his heart, then he can write it down and read it off. Oh, Brother Kilpatrick could be shaking so hard he can't even read it. I said, well, okay. Well, the third thing is he'll just ride down the truck in his pickup truck, ride down the road in his pickup truck and speak it into a tape recorder and we'll stick the stinking tape in, but he's going to bless you if you get married in this church. Oh, I'll tell him. Never had a father turn me down, but I've seen some funny stuff. So I had this girl in my church, she's getting married, you know. <clears throat> beautiful little old girl, she's cute. She wasn't beautiful, she was cute as a speckled puppy. And so I told her, I said, now honey, I, your, your daddy's gonna have to bless you at your wedding. Okay, brother Kilpatrick. I said, now son, your daddy's gonna have to bless you at your wedding. Oh, okay, brother Kilpatrick, we'll see about it. I said, no, he's gonna bless you at your wedding now, the way it's gonna be. So the day of the wedding came House was full, everybody knew him, you know. So the daughter came down the aisle in her wedding dress. She looked so cute, she just as cute as she could be. The daddy got up and I said, who gives this woman to be married to this man? He said, her mother and I. I said, ladies and gentlemen, the father of the bride is coming to bless his daughter. He got up, he took the microphone like this and he said things like, well, sweetheart, we have never been more proud of you in our life. You are so beautiful. And I have never seen you look as beautiful as you do today on this, the day of your wedding. And he said, I speak over you today that you're gonna be happy all the days of your life and you're gonna be healthy. And I also speak over you that when it's time for our grandchildren to come, that those grandchildren are gonna be healthy in every way, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I just speak that your cupboards be full, and you always have plenty to eat, and your bills be paid, and you always find gainful employment. And so everybody, you know, was just crying and tears running down people's face. But this beautiful little girl was marrying Bubba. Now, his name wasn't Bubba. He was a Bubba. <laughs> What do I mean by that? He looked like he'd been riding Bronco horses all of his life. He's bow-legged, you know, just bow-legged, big old burly guy, country guy. And it came time for his dad to bless him. And I don't think his dad had ever been in church a day in his life. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, the father of the groom is coming now to speak a blessing over his son. And he looked so out of place in church He walked up there and grabbed the microphone like this. (laughs) Boy, I bless you, boy. You hear what I'm saying to you? You're gonna be blessed whether you like it or not. You understand what I'm saying to you? Let me tell you something else too, boy. You're gonna, you're gonna have a house full of youngers just like this other man said, and them, them youngers is gonna mind you, they're gonna mind me because I'm telling you, you ain't gonna raise no youngers that won't mind. You hear what I'm saying to you? And I tell you, your house is gonna be full of good food, and there's gonna be all kind of nice things, and you're gonna have a good life. Do you understand what I'm saying to you, boy? And when he got through, there's two things you don't want to do, three things you don't want to do. You don't want to drive down the road going 70 miles an hour, stick your head out and spit. You don't want to pull on Superman's cape. And you don't want to get John Kilpatrick tickled in church. I got so tickled. I, I felt my insides just turn into jelly and I looked at the congregation and they were looking at me like, <laughs> who is this man? And I've got to do the wedding now. I've got to go through the vows, and we've got to walk up on the platform. And I'm about to laugh, and I'm saying under my breath, Holy Ghost, if you've ever helped me, help me now. Oh, God. I just felt like I was going to laugh any minute. I just wanted to, you know, just. And so I walked up on the stage. They walked up there with me. I still feel like I'm going to laugh. And I thought Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. So I was standing behind a pulpit where nobody could see, but I got this thought and I said, I'm gonna take my heel and mash my toe so hard, it's gonna get my mind off of it. And I mashed my toe so hard, I started making these faces and people thought the Holy Ghost had come on me. <laughs> oh, praise God, hallelujah, right here at a wedding. And I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you how I got out of it. It was so funny and so humiliating. But when I looked at Bubba's face, there were tears running down his face. And when I saw the tears running down his face, it dawned on me how many people come to church every week and they've lived in hell, been cussed, slapped, beat, drug around by the hair of the head, told they will never amount to anything. But even though that was the most ridiculous blessing anybody would ever heard, it meant the world to him, that his daddy had blessed him. So I close with this. I got through preaching this series, Mystery and Power of a Blessing. And when I got through preaching it, I was completely done and already already moved on to something else. But I had this guy in my church. He was a overweight guy. His shirt tail was always half out and half in. He never looked groomed. His hair never looked combed. I don't think he had ever combed his hair at all. He looked thrown away. And any time I'd ever get around him, like at a Christmas party or whatever, he'd always get away from me. I never met him, but he went there for years, but I never met him, and he'd always get away from me. So, I've already moved on now, and it's two or three weeks later, and we still had church on Sunday nights back then. And I looked, and it was about six thirty, and I'm getting ready to go up and start the service, and I look, and here comes this boy, and he walked up on the stage. I was shocked. And he walked up to me and he said, Hello, Brother Kilpatrick. My name is Michael. I said, Well, Michael, I never met you before. I've seen you here for years, but I never met you. Oh, he said, No, no, no. He said, Brother Kilpatrick, I never had the courage to meet anybody like you, you know, a authority figure. And I never had the courage to meet anybody like you. And He said, Uh, you got, you got a minute for me to tell you this story? I said, yeah, I didn't, I really didn't, but I wouldn't embarrass that boy for nothing. It was time to start church, but I wouldn't tell him, no, I don't have time right now, you know, I wouldn't do that. If it took 30 minutes, I wouldn't have done it. I just let him talk. And here's what he said. He said, my dad was a mean man, Pastor. He said, my daddy was rough. He never mentioned his mother. I don't know if they were divorced or his mother was dead, but he said, My daddy was a vicious man. And he said, My daddy always told me, he said, Son, you're a deadbeat. That's all you've ever been. That's all you'll ever be. You're a deadbeat. I can't stand the sight of you. So he said, I, I came and I heard you preach this series on Mystery and Power of a Blessing, and he said, It changed my life. He said, I'm telling you, it changed my life. And he said, I said to myself, well, I need my daddy's blessing. So he said, I got my old car. And he said, I decided to drive up to Ohio to see my daddy. And he said, I pulled up outside the house. And he said, man, I was sitting there in the car and I just couldn't get the courage up to lift that door handle. And go up and knock on the door. I hadn't seen my daddy in years. Ain't that something? You're at the place where your dad lives, you're sitting out front and you can't get the courage up to lift that door handle and get up and walk up there and ring the doorbell, knock on the door. So he said, finally, I just, my heart was pounding and I just finally just opened up the door and I got up and walked up the steps and I walked up on the front porch and, and he said, in just a few minutes, the door opened and it was my dad. He hadn't seen me in years and I hadn't seen him in years. Hey, what are you doing here, boy? He said, well, dad, he said, "Uh, I just wanted to come home and see you and wanted to ask you if you'd do something for me. Didn't I tell you, boy, when you left here, didn't I tell you, don't you ever come crawling back to me? When you get out there and you find out what that real world's like, and you get out there and find out it's a dog eat dog, don't you come crawling back to me, expecting me to keep you up and give you money. I'm not going to give you no money. I've told you all your life, you're a deadbeat. That's all you've ever been, and that's all you'll ever be. I'm not gonna give you anything. He said, Well, Daddy, what I want to ask you, it won't cost you anything, it won't cost you a penny. But he said, I just want to ask you, he said, I'm going to church now in Pensacola. And he said, My pastor's just got through preaching this series of sermons on mystery and power of a blessing, and he said. After hearing him preach, he said, "I've really come to realize how important you are in my life." And he said, "I really realize how important it is for me as your son to get your blessing." Because he said, "Dad, you know, you have always told me I'd never amount to nothing, and I haven't." He said, "Actually, I throw papers for a living before daylight every morning, I don't have to see anybody. I'll make enough money to keep my old car going. I make enough money to pay my rent. I make enough money to have some money to eat on. I have no friends. I have no girlfriend. I have no life. And everything you had said about me has come to pass. But when I heard my pastor preach this series of sermons on Mr. Power of Blessing, I just wanted to come home and see if maybe you could speak a blessing over me. It would mean so much to me. so he said here's what I'll do if you don't mind he said I'll go back and sit in my old bedroom I'll pull up a chair and face the wall you won't even have to look at me and he said I'll face the wall And he said if you could just think of a few good words and then come in and maybe you can touch my shoulder maybe you don't have to touch me at all but just speak a few good words of me just a sentence or a phrase he said it would mean everything to me So he said his dad didn't answer him and he just walked past his dad, walked in the house, went back to his old bedroom, pulled up a chair, faced the wall, and he said he heard his daddy start pacing up and down that hallway. They had a floor furnace. He said he could hear him walk over that floor furnace going that way. He'd turn around and come back this way, walk over the floor furnace, trying to think something good to say. Isn't it amazing? When you're cursing somebody, it rolls off the tip of your tongue. You can't think of enough bad things to say about a person. But when it comes to blessing, cat's got your tongue. He said, Finally, I heard him come walking in the bedroom, and I'm sitting there, and he said, My heart is beating. And he said, I can hear my heart beating in my ears. And he said, my dad walked up behind me. He said, I could hear him lick his lips and try a couple of times to say something, but he still couldn't get it out. And he said, he stepped up a little bit closer to me. He said, the first communication that I received from my father was, I saw tears running down my coat. My dad was crying. And he said, finally, I heard his mouth open and he said, son, I am so sorry. I really do love you. I am so sorry. And then he said, pastor, I heard my dad say, and I bless you. And he said, when he said the words, I bless you, he said, the Holy Ghost hit my daddy and he preached the blessing over me. He didn't speak the blessing over me. He preached the blessing over me. And he said, I bless you and I just bless you to be happy and I bless you that you'll have a family like everybody else and that you're gonna do good in life. And he said, brother Kilpatrick, he said, it made all the difference in the world in my life. And I looked at him and I said, son, you got that hair combed. You've lost some weight, hey, I've lost 25 pounds. I said, who's that little girl standing on there at the end of the, that's my girlfriend. I never had a girlfriend, boy, I got a girlfriend now. I'm gonna get married and have a bunch of young and just like everybody else. And he said, used to, Pastor, when I'd go in for a job interview, I'd be so nervous and have no confidence I'd have panic attacks and I'd have to just get up and embarrass myself and run out of the room. But he said, tomorrow, I've got, a, I've got a job interview. And he said, it pays $20 an hour. And he said, I'm going in, and I'm going to be interviewed for this job. And he said, I'm going to get that job. And he said, I'm going to settle down and get married like everybody else, and I'm going to have a life. I said, son, you mean to tell me that that series of sermons I preached on blessings made that big of a difference in your life? He said, it made all the difference in the world. So here's what I want to say to you in closing. How many people, even in our churches across America and the nations of the earth, have never been blessed? They've been cursed, they've been low rated, they've been humiliated, but how many has never been blessed? And I came away from that with this vow. I said, God, I won't ever dismiss in prayer again. I'll dismiss my church by speaking a blessing over everybody before we leave. And I started dismissing Brownsville every week by speaking a blessing over them. And I've still got that blessing in my Bible to this day. I speak a blessing over them. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever blessed your son? You ever blessed your daughter? Have you ever blessed your wife? You ever blessed your husband? You ever blessed your pastor? You ever blessed your youth pastor, your children's pastor? You ever blessed your grandchildren? I think it's time. I can't tell you What a difference it would make in your life. And I can't tell you what a difference it would make in this church. And from that day till this one, when God gave me that revelation, he said, well, stop cursing it. From that day till this one, as far as I know, I have never cursed another person, place, or thing since that day.